1: This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash
0: party today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer.
2: Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet, with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Rev. Anna Schaus.
1: Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. Thank you for joining us today. I'm very glad that you're listening with us. Again, we've got another great program for you. I want to thank you for liking the Spirit of Recovery page on Facebook. That's great to get your likes. And also thank you for posting on the Spirit of Recovery wall on Facebook. And thanks for emailing me and letting me know how it's going for you in your spirituality and recovery walk. It's good to know that um, how you're doing, and it's great to know that what we're doing here on Spirit of Recovery is making a difference for you. So thanks for letting us know. It's um, great to hear that what we're doing here is making a difference for you in your life, in your recovery, and um, in your spirituality, and that the guests that we're bringing are touching your heart. Every week we talk about topics that are important to the recovery community with guests who are down to earth, knowledgeable and innovative. My guests are always people who are either in recovery themselves and or who work with or write for or or teach people uh, in the recovery process and we define recovery broadly. And um, the guests are always people that are grounded, that are bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. You can listen to Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. Of course, you can listen live. Um, You can listen via your computer. You can listen via your smartphone. You can go to stitcher.com and download their app and search for Spirit of Recovery. And you also can listen on demand. We've got several years' worth of great archived programs. Just go to unityonlineradio.org slash program slash Spirit of Recovery, and you'll just find lots and lots of great programs to listen to. I want you to know that uh, if you would like to support Unity Online Radio, which is a nonprofit endeavor, unityonlineradio.org, you can financially support this radio station, and that's helpful to Spirit of Recovery as well as the other great programs on this radio station. And you can do that by texting to texting unity radio to 72727 from your smartphone and you can make either a one-time or a recurring financial contribution if you would like to do that I want you to know that spirit of recovery is a welcoming place and so if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction or a life experience, trauma experience or whatever, again, recovery broadly defined, or if you're the family member of a person who has the disease of addiction and you're in recovery, your own recovery as a family member or friend of someone with the disease of addiction, and uh, you're welcome here. You may or may not be in recovery. Maybe you're just interested, curious about this process of recovery and spirituality Maybe you're just looking for information, Uh, you want to learn more about recovery, what it is, what it's about, how it's connected to spirituality, I'm very glad that you're listening. You're welcome here. You're welcome um, to send in questions via email or call in a question or comment for my guest um, on the topic of the day if you would like to. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host I'm a unity minister and also an addictions counselor, and I'm also a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people that have the disease of addiction. And uh, almost 35 years ago now, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development. And ever since that point, my walk has been an integration of unity and recovery principles, and that walk keeps transforming my life in really rich ways, and it keeps me growing. So I am grateful and I'm delighted to have the opportunity to share these ideas with you and to hear what you're experiencing on your spirituality and recovery walk. Today we're going to be talking about the topic of dare to live from your true self. You know recovery uh, gives us the opportunity to live our real lives, to live life from the inside out instead of Getting all focused on the outside and trying to live it from the outside in. And in recovery, there's a lot to learn and uh, there's also a lot to unlearn as we grow into and become our true selves. And the more that we do that, we discover that life is filled with joy and meaning and it's, it's just wonderful. We discover this whole other world. It's like walking in, into another world. And so my guest today knows a lot about that. Her, her name is Sandra Felt. She's a licensed clinical social worker. And she's also the author of a book that's just come out. It's called Beyond the Good Girl Jail, When You Dare to Live from Your True Self. And... um You can learn more about that book and about Sandra if you go to trueselfmatters.com. And that's spelled just how it sounds, trueselfmatters.com. But I'd like to, of course, tell you a little bit about her right now. Sandra is a grateful, recovering, self-described good girl herself. And she shares in her book, and she'll be sharing with us today on Spirit of Recovery, how any of us, women and men, can find and identify our true sense of self, how we can become at home with ourselves, and how we can rebuild our lives from our authentic center. And she shares uh, helpful concrete examples both from her own personal life and from client stories that she, of course, has permission To share and has, of course, uh, respected their anonymity by changing some, a few details and names and such. But she's been working with clients for more than 30 years, and these are often clients who have experienced trauma in childhood, which uh, she'll discuss with us today is one of the ways that we get disconnected from ourselves. And uh, she's been treating courageous survivors of trauma and neglect for over 30 years, and she'll be sharing with that what she's learned and what's helpful as she works with clients. Sandra also uh, really works and lives from her authentic self. She writes original poetry, and she'll be sharing some of that with us today. And she also... Loves to hike in the foothills of the Rockies, and she plays in a bluegrass band called the Grass Hat Gals. And uh, professionally, Sandra is a board-certified diplomate in clinical social work and a certified trauma-informed practitioner, and she does training of therapists at national conferences. And Sandra was my guest here on Spirit of Recovery a long time ago. It's hard to believe in July of 2012, so you can go back also in the archives and find that program. So, Sandra, welcome to Spirit of
3: Recovery. Well, thank you. I'm very happy to be here.
1: Glad you're here. Glad you're here. And thanks for writing the book. I know in 2012 when we taught this book was uh, you were a work in progress, and um, I'm just delighted. I was great. Grateful to get your notice uh, back a while ago that the book had been published, and, and it's it's a wonderful book. It's just chock full of really good information and compassion and love and and a practical practical ideas. That I want to start. Well, thank off you. By, I hope so. You are. It is. It, it is. <laughs> it's really. It's good. It's good. I want to start off and ask you about this quote. Is in the, uh, the very beginning of your book. It's the quote by Oscar Wilde. And it says, "To live is the rarest thing in the world." Most people exist. That is all. Why'd you pick that? What does it mean?
3: Isn't that powerful? Yes, it is. I I think it's so true. My observations of the world, that most people seem content—maybe not happy, but content with just mediocrity and kind of getting through the to-do list for the day—and. don't ask a lot of questions, they just kind of plow along. And that's kind of what I call the good girl jail. You know, it's um, it's just a, it becomes a just a relentless straitjacket, you know, the dungeon of mere existence, I like to call it, mm-hmm. when there's so much more, so, so much more. I think anybody in recovery knows that. Um, when we're not in recovery, we don't know that and we have to learn it. But we take risks and we grow and accept the help of others and we discover amazing aliveness.
1: Right. And, you know, you tell in, in your book, Sandra, that, uh, and uh, as I said in the introduction, you are a self described recovering good girl. What yes. is that? How did you first start to understand that? When did you start to? Get out of the good girl jail.
3: Well, the way I like to describe um, a good part of my childhood was trying very hard to be a good girl, and I think most women do that. You know, we we try to please people, we try to make people happy, we try to meet their needs, we we try to like everybody. You know, we learn to stand in line, we learn to keep our mouths shut, all of those things, and. I lived that way. Absolutely, I lived that way. I was a very good, good girl, so to speak. And then I had this experience that I have never forgotten. At the time, I was about 30, and I had been staying home with my two preschool children, and I was married at the time. And we had this small get-together socially with some friends. And we'd been talking all the usual things. You know, we have been talking about the weather and we have been talking about what has been happening and about our kids and what trips we had planned, all those usual things that people tend to talk about. And my friend then asked me what I called the magical question. It stopped me in my tracks. And it sounds very simple, but I had no answer for it at the time. She turned to me and she said, Sandra, what have you been doing lately? And I couldn't answer that question. All I could hear inside was, oh, nothing. I've just been taking care of the kids. And I couldn't come up with an answer, but that question never went away. That's what I call an awakening moment, something that really gets your attention and kind of stops you in your tracks. Or sometimes we just freeze in that moment. And that was one of those awakening moments. And I kept thinking about it. Is this all there is? You know, it seemed like this was my job to take care of my kids and my husband and the house. And I didn't have any problem with that up until that moment. But that moment asked me, is this all there is? Is there something more? Mm -hmm. Maybe there's something I don't know yet. It got me curious. It got my attention. And from that moment on, I started paying more attention to what was going on inside of me and not just from the expectations of everybody else. It changed my life. It was a turning point. Mm -hmm. So now I know that lots of people have awakening moments and just things that get their attention and get them curious and actually change the direction of their life from this, um, this jail. I came to call it the good girl jail, kind of an affectionate term for me, but it, it says it well. Um, I think the characteristics, primary characteristics are feeling empty, exhausted, discouraged, and alone. Empty, exhausted, discouraged, and alone. Mm -hmm. And so many people feel empty. I hear it all the time. Mm -hmm. They'll describe it like a hole in their gut, or they don't know what life is all about. There's no me left. That's what came to me that day. There's just no me left to give to anybody anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, There are different words for it and different descriptions, but there's always that... Exhaustion and emptiness that people feel, and that question: Is there more to life? There's something here I haven't caught on to yet. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, when you're yeah. talking about that, well, what, what what strikes me is a a couple things. Is that one, what you're saying is that sometimes people who do have the disease of addiction to a substance or a behavior process that kind of a sense at some level or maybe some kind of external consequence maybe kind of awakens that or propels them into that is this all there is experience or for family right. members or friends of those with the disease of addiction, kind of what you're describing can happen. It's like somehow I've I've given my life over to somebody else's disease, you know, enabling it. So I can see that as a turning point, but also when people, once even people are, are in recovery, maybe in a good recovery process already, um, they are clean and sober. They're working a program. Uh, Their family members or friends working a uh, program. Or family members or friends, and yet there are layers and layers. I think that you can still feel that. I think I in even in the midst of recovery. What do you think about that?
3: Well, absolutely. It's it's a growth process. And there's no end to how far we can grow. Um, and it's, it's a long, lifelong really, process of claiming what fits us and let go of what does not fit us. Mm-hmm. So addiction, in the end, does not fit us. It's not our real self. It's, um, it's a numbing pattern. It's something that takes us away from our true self. And needless to say, our true self can be a little scary, especially in the beginning when we don't understand it. Who's ever heard anybody talk about their true self as if it's a good thing? You know, it's <laughs> we don't hear that. We just don't hear it. If anything, we say, shut your mouth, you know. You don't need to do that. Shape up. So we learn not to listen to it, not to pay attention to it but it can help us through addiction recovery. Absolutely. I think that's kind of the underbelly of all healing, whether it's from addiction or grief or trauma, depression, anything. It's like we're we're making that shift back home. It's a shift in the paradigm shift really from our central point of view being focusing on the, meeting the needs of other people and not making them mad. To bringing that point back home inside of us, Um, listening inside, what do I need, doesn't make us selfish. It helps us to be grounded and centered in ourselves so that we can help to meet the needs of other people and care about other people and love other people. But there's something inside to listen to. And it's a learning process to do that. And it's definitely part of healing from addiction and trauma. Absolutely, I think it's the essence of it, really.
1: In your book, you talk about some of the different ways that people describe the true self. It's a wonderful list there. Um, <laughs> Share with us either some of the things that, that you've got there um, or just your own understanding some more of what what is the true self. What, what is that when somebody's trying to distinguish that from the numbing process? That can even be tricky, I think. Like, what, what's what? What's numb? What's me? I don't know. <laughs> you
3: know? I, I think it, the big distinction is that it doesn't go away. It keeps coming back, coming back. It's our truth. And it kind of—it's what it feels like—is that it just taps us on the shoulder now and then to say, "Hey, did you see that over there? Have you ever thought about this?" And but it, it doesn't go away. We can disregard it the first few times, but it just get, comes back in a different way and gets stronger until we hear it.
2: Mm-hmm. Really,
3: that's what it is. Until we listen, mm-hmm. um, it also feels like a fiery ball of energy inside us that feeds us, um, it gives us energy to do things that might be difficult, but things that we need to do, like speak up to somebody or or make a difficult choice. Um, it can show us how to do something like um, recovery from an addiction or how to leave a marriage that maybe we need to leave because it's, been abusive, or how to um, rear our children lovingly, I mean, it can show us those things. And, you know, the books don't tell us everything <laughs> about life, but when we listen inside, we tend to hear a deeper truth. When we mm-hmm. listen from a deeper place, we hear a deeper truth.
1: Mm-hmm. We're going to take so, our first break. We'll go ahead, and then we'll take our break.
3: Well, I was just going to say, people feel it in different ways, but there's always an energy with it, and there's always a sense of truth about it. So, we can something clicks into place when we accept our deeper truth. So it feels different. It feels different. It's not like just ex- accepting what somebody else says as as our truth.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're going to take our break. Um, stay with us, listeners. We're talking today about daring to live from your true self. My guest is Sandra Felt. She's a licensed clinical social worker who has over 30 years of experience working with courageous trauma survivors and she also identifies as a grateful recovering good girl herself and she's the author of the book beyond the good girl jail when when you dare to live from your true self and you can learn more about sandra and her work at www.trueselfmatters.com stay with us and we'll be right back on spirit of recovery
2: Wouldn't you like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world? That's easier than ever with mobile giving. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives.
0: Did you know that the Buddha gave us the formula to create a beautiful, abundant life? Did you know that Jesus gave us the formula to create a beautiful, abundant life? Did you know that both these masters taught exactly the same thing? And guess what? They did not teach the law of attraction. They taught the great paradox of prosperity. You can have anything you want. Why? You can have things you don't even know you want, but not by wanting them. Instead, put your attention on the vibrant presence of the divine within. Do that, and your life will change. It has to. That is the natural order. Want to crack the code on the great paradox? Get Janet Connors' The Lotus and the Lily. Available everywhere great books are sold.
1: Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. And our topic today is Dare to Live from Your True Self. And we're talking about the... A book that my guest author Sandra Felt has just uh, gotten published. It just got published uh, last month, and it's called "Beyond the Good Girl Jail: When You Dare to Live from Your True Self." And Sandra is sharing with us uh, really good information about the self, about how important it is to listen to, to nourish, and to value our authentic self, and um, how to how that really enhances our lives and and makes us full and allows us to have lots to uh, enjoy in our own lives and to share with other people. And you can learn more about Sandra's work at trueselfmatters.com Before I get back to my conversation with her, I'd like to invite you to join me in a moment of meditation a brief moment called the Serenity Minute. So I invite you to relax, to allow that peaceful presence of your higher power to become a uh, open and obvious to you to allow yourself to relax from the crown of your head all the way through your body temple to allow your mind and heart to open and share with me this constructive idea i allow my mind and heart to open and i hear the voice of my inner self I allow my mind and heart to open and I hear the voice of my inner self. And now we take a moment in the quiet. Thank you, friends, for joining me in this moment of quiet, the serenity minute. And I trust and hope that it was an opportunity for you to allow your mind and heart to open and take a moment to hear that beautiful voice inside you that is yourself. And now I'm back to my conversation with my guest, Sandra Felt, licensed clinical social worker and author of the book, Beyond the Good Girl Jail, When You Dare to Live from Your True Self. So, Sandra, before the break, um, you were telling us about um, how to listen and how to tune into that uh, sense of self. Tell us a little bit more about the sense of self and uh, how that works and how do you know it? And how, is the body, paying attention to our body, involved in that at all?
3: Well, our body is a very important part of it. You may have noticed that we cannot do this lifetime without our body.
4: <laughs> it's <Yeah>. essential. <laughs>
3: it is absolutely essential. Mm-hmm. And what I hear people talk about most about the body um, is to pay attention to it and listen to what it needs and honor its needs, take good care of it, to help it last as long and as healthfully as possible. And that's all good. But I like to take it one step farther than that. I think we are one with our body. We're integrated with our body. And learning to form a partnership with our body is, is one of the three basic ways in the book that I talk about learning to recognize um, our, our true self. The first one is to honor our need for safety. There is no question about that. We don't get very far without being able to take action in the direction of, of meeting our need for safety. And the third one is is listening to our feelings and experiencing them, um, learning to release them in, in healthy, effective ways. But that second one is about the body and learning to listen to it definitely When we have little aches and pains, that's our body, or you could say our true self, talking to us. It's saying something. It's not just irrelevant. And the goal is not to be in control of our body. That's not a partnership. The goal is to listen to our body, to work with it, to take care of it, If that knee hurts, maybe it needs a little more attention. Maybe it needs to be held. Maybe there's, I don't know, a fear in there or whatever. But to be gentle with it and cooperative with it in partnership is what I like to say. So those are the three basic ways of learning to recognize our true self when it comes to tapping us on the shoulder. And then, secondly, in the book, um, there are three ways of strengthening the true self. One is to pay more attention to how we spend our time alone. There's nothing wrong with alone time. It doesn't mean we're failing socially or something. Everyone has time alone, but we can choose our influences on on ourselves during that time. And we can make choices about how we spend our alone time. We can use that time to listen inside and honor our true self. And sometimes it's as simple as, well, I don't feel like cleaning the garage today. I know I had planned that. But we wait a day or two or next weekend or something, and then we feel like doing it. That's an example of honoring Um, our true self in a way that helps to strengthen it. And then the second way to strengthen our true self is to honor our choices, which is similar to what I, I just said about the garage cleaning. But we make choices all the time, and we have many, many more choices than any of us think that we do. And when we honor those choices and tune in to not just what do I need to do today, but how do I need to do it? When do I need to do it? All those things are choices. Millions of choices, I like to say. Millions of choices, many more than we think we have. And we can teach our children that as well. We can help them see that they have more choices as a way to strengthen their their true self. Mm-hmm. And then the third way to strengthen the true self is to examine carefully our core beliefs. Core beliefs are, some, are the conclusions that we came to very early in life about ourselves, about the world, how the world works, about other people. And there are all kinds of them. And it's not easy to become aware of our core beliefs because they feel like truth to us. But as we... As we continue to grow and listen to our true self and go toward it, honor it, uh, we become more aware of what those core beliefs are. Sometimes when we get to them, it's like, well, that's not true. That's our adult brain talking. (laughs) Mm -hmm. My adult brain says, well, this is not true. But my little girl side of me, knew that was true and I've lived by that for years and years and years. could you, give us, exam- dream- could you give us an example
1: give us an example of a core belief that isn't really true and we have to re-examine?
3: I can give you a good one about myself. all right I, I was uh, molested by my grandfather as a young child and as all young children do, they come to their own conclusions about why something like that happens. And they don't usually go to parents or someone and say, why did that happen to me? You know, in their aloneness, they come to their own conclusions. The conclusions I came to about why that was happening to me are these. One, I let him love me. Two, I played too much. And three, I had pretty naturally curly hair. So, as an adult, none of those fit. I got molested because he picked me. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that in an adult world. So then I could look at these and say, hmm, as a little girl, I kept people from loving me because I didn't want that to happen again. I kept them at a distance. I didn't play because that was dangerous to play. Got very serious. And thirdly, I begged my mom to cut off my naturally curly hair to be ugly again so that would not happen again. So that's maybe kind of an extreme example, but it shows how clear it is when you get to these core beliefs that you came to as a child, and you can say, that's not true. Right. You know, then we can make different choices about how to, how to live our life. And people in recovery do that all the time as they take fearless and searching moral inventory. They start to see things from a more accurate viewpoint and start to listen to, at a deeper level, to hear that deeper truth. So, yeah, it, it can sound like a lot of work to people, but I tell you, it is so rewarding when when you get to something like that, you know, like like just my hair. <laughs> I could let my curls grow again and have fun with it instead of feeling like it was dangerous. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that's such an extreme example of, of how it can work, but... It's so true and so powerful.
1: It is because so. children will, ch- children tend, and developmentally, and I know you work a lot with the idea of, of, of developmental processes, children will tend to blame themselves for what happens because that's their only sort of ability to, to view that. And, and so as an Absolutely. adult, like you're saying, you have to go, oh, my goodness, it had nothing to do with me. It was because that person, you know, was doing things that were not right. And I happened to, you know, they picked me. It was all the was to it. It wasn't about me. Is that...
3: All children should. blame themselves. Right. They, they find a way that they can do something to prevent that, whatever that is, from happening again. And then those are the core beliefs. That's what I must always do or that's what I must never do. And it's all about safety. It doesn't have to be getting molested. You know, mm-hmm. it can be mom yelling at me or um, daddy ignoring me, you know? So it can be something fairly simple that we would never call abuse. But we come to these conclusions because we want to have some power in our life. We want want to be able to make things happen the way we want them to, to to meet our needs. It's all about trying to meet our needs. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. That's
1: fascinating and really, really important. Talk to us some more, Sandra, about how it is that finding your true self, tapping into that, making choices, gives us real power, which is so different from, again, that only way a child can do it, in which we a lot of us carry into adulthood, of trying to manipulate people, places, and things to get what we need because we're just trying to survive. How does the true self give us genuine power?
3: Well, maybe the best example is around safety. Um, All children are vulnerable. They're little compared to the big people. And they all grow up being scared of different things, you know, not always the same things. But um, whatever a child grows up being scared of, they're going to come to a core belief, a conclusion about how to keep safe about that particular issue. So one of the common things with an addictive parent is the child watching to see if mommy or daddy come home, if they've been drinking and then they will hide or whatever they have learned to do to, to feel safe with that. But all of that is centered on looking at mommy or daddy to see what they're doing. So when you bring that reference point back inside, the the action part of it is about, well, it's about taking action to feel safer. So it's not so based on other people and what they're doing that determines whether I'm safe or not. It's something I can do to feel safer. And it might be as small as carrying a special rock in my pocket, or wearing a particular necklace. A lot of people do things like that. I had a client who went to her special tree every morning to give it a hug and turn her day over to God as she understood God. So there are all kinds of things like that. Um, it's, It's like young children will have their blankie or their... or whatever they have that they kind of cling to. I call it the teddy bear phenomenon. It helps children feel safe. And as adults, we do the same thing. But when we're taking action to help ourselves feel safe, that is much more powerful than being on guard all the time to see if anybody's mad at me or to see if anybody's been drinking or whatever the thing might be that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. So it feels much more powerful. It, we feel many more choices. We can take action when we need to. We can say no when we need to, or yes when we need to for that matter. So it feels good, and that's what makes it all possible because it reinforces us as we grow each new little thing that we are able to do helps us feel stronger. It helps us feel more alive. Um, it helps us feel more loving, and ultimately more creative and more expressive. Mm-hmm. So it feels good.
1: You have a poem that speaks to that, and you write uh, poetry, and you've got several of your poems in your book, and they're uh, beautiful, and they really do express your thoughts and. Would you share this one with us? It's What If. This is in your book, and it really speaks to what you're just talking about.
3: I'd love to. Thank you. Mm -hmm. What if. What if there really is a me inside, a self who is all me and mine, a unique set of quirks and qualities to claim and develop, to live from and through and be What if I already have the right and enough room to be who I am? What if I'm already here, capable of living my own life? What if I'm actually meant to be this me I already am, my piece of the universal puzzle? What if it's truly okay to dance, to dance in daffodils, fully expressing all that is and all that oozes through my soul? What if I refuse to miss the possibilities of my own truth? Mm. Thank you.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you.
3: Mm, That really touches. Go ahead. The number one regret of the dying is this. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. I think that says so much. When I get stuck on something and feel like I don't have the courage to do what I need to do, I kind of come back to that. And I say, if I was on my deathbed looking back on my life, what would I wish I had done right now? And often that will help me have the courage to do what I need to do. I think it's tragic that the number one regret of the dying is wishing they'd had the courage to live a life true to themselves.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep,
1: for sure. It really is. If a person wants to start uh, in a deeper way thinking about these ideas, Sandra, and what you're talking about, um, and, and kind of having a way to get in touch with uh Are they, are they, hopefully they they don't want to be that person on their deathbed asking, saying they wish they'd have done more. And I know you have, on your your website, you've got uh, a download that can be a starting point for people. Or, you know, we're all in different places, wherever we are. We can always kind of start in a new place. But tell us about that. You've got a a download that people can use. Tell us about that.
3: I sure do. Um, On my website, there are several... handouts that can be downloaded for people to use but the one you're talking about is a, a checklist called how undernourished is your true self and it goes through a number of questions and you rate each one one to four depending how true it is for you at the particular time you're doing it it includes questions like do you feel empty inside do you keep wondering is this all there is do you feel lonely even around other people? Are you being Are you uncomfortable being home alone? And some other things. So it's a self-assessment tool. Um, you obviously don't have to share it with anyone else if you don't want to. The best way to use that, I think, is to um, score yourself and put a date on it, and then maybe read the book. Take a few months, go back and and try it again, and I think you'll see some progress with that. I really do. Mm-hmm. The the true self is a developmental issue. When I say undernourished, it it just means that our true self can't grow when it's been ignored for years and years and years, and we've lost touch with it. So as we recognize it and strengthen it and reclaim it, it just it just grows like it's just loving to grow. It grows fast, like it's trying to catch up with us or something. So it's definitely a, a nourishment, a developmental kind of issue and, you know, a natural, normal part of us. It, it's our, our home base. And I, I just like that image of coming back to our anchor, our home base. Mm-hmm. Over and over and over again.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: How is this related to spirituality? The finding the true
3: self. Well, I think it's. I think it's basically the essence of it. Um, you know, people have all kinds of different spiritual experiences, particularly how they experience a higher power, and I have no qualms with that. But I think one of the ways we experience our spirituality and receive guidance from it um, is through our true self, or what I call our true self. I just chose not to use either religious um, terms or heart terms, because I just think true self is a much more neutral term. Mm -hmm. And people don't, my clients don't seem to react to it as strongly. They seem more accepting of it, regardless of where they are with church and religion. So Mm -hmm. I prefer that term. But there are a lot of different terms for the the true self, and obviously people can use the terms that best fit for them.
1: Right. Yeah. I know, obviously, uh, sometimes people have felt like. um religion maybe kept them away from their true self. It, you know, again, religion is a big old topic and it can come in a lot yeah. of forms and, and ways, but sometimes that makes people in... Re- the concept of religion can sometimes make people in recovery um, anxious. Or, and that yeah. whole idea of in the 12 steps of God
3: as we understand God was so important. When And for some people, I've had clients where whose church as they were growing up was was a very dominating factor. And if you think about how do we leave our true self in the first place, it comes from somewhere, uh, whether it's parents or school or society or church or whatever, whatever those dominant factors are that are telling us to ignore our true self and keep our focus out there to do things right. To please other people, to meet the needs of other people, it can be church. I'm not saying that it is church or that it has to be church. Certainly, it doesn't. But it comes from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like really
1: uh, doing a reevaluation in, uh, of of what is me, what is not me. And in your book, you you talk about that, letting go of what is not me.
3: How do you how do you do that? That can be a challenge. Uh First, we have to recognize something doesn't fit us, whatever that thing is. It might be a habit. It might be an addiction. It might be a person. You know, it it might be a home. It can be all kinds of things. Um, And then letting go is a process. A lot of people think, oh, I have to let go of this. So, okay, I'll just throw it away. And they kind of go from one extreme to the other, but then they don't feel the letting go of it, the loss of it. And I, I like people to take a little more time with that and first claim it, no matter what it is. let Let's say it's, um, it's a bad habit. Um, maybe I eat ice cream every day, way too much ice cream. So let's say we've got a bad habit. First, we have to claim it, you know, that it is my habit. Um, It's not good for me. I don't think when I look at it more closely that it fits me, at least at this point in my life. Maybe it used to, but not anymore. So then we can begin to say, okay, how can I let go of this? What will it take? Sometimes we need to thank it. You know, I mean, I know it sounds silly. Ice cream. But um, if we take a character defect like judgment, that, you know, character defects were adopted for protective reasons, uh, pr- probably before we even remember doing it. So it served a purpose, just like my uh, pushing people away so they couldn't love me. That served me for many years to feel safer. And then there came a point where that's not serving me anymore. I don't want to keep people away. I want to let in support. I want to let in love. And I want to be able to love other people back. Then we can begin to let go of it. And sometimes, like people do in program, we we try it just for today. I'll let go of it and not push people away and see what happens. And that can encourage us to keep doing it until we can let go for good. And I don't know. I my own personal thing is I let these things go to Universal Supply in the sky, just in case some other little girl somewhere needs it someday and needs to feel safe in that same way that I did. Uh-huh. So letting go is a process. It's not. It's more than a decision. And sometimes we feel a little grieving with it. Sometimes we honor it and thank it um, in different ways. But when something used to fit us and it no longer fits us, it's not part of our true self anymore. So we let it go. Mm -hmm. Good point. And what happens when we claim what fits our true self and let go of what does not fit our true self is we come, we separate the wheat from the chaff, and we come to our true self and bring that point of reference back inside to live from there. And that's our integrity. And that's where our boundaries develop. So it all fits together. And we end up feeling more loving, more creative, um, much more meaning in life. It's easier. It's a simpler way to live, really. Mm-hmm.
1: Talk a little bit more about boundaries. What do you mean by that, and why do they matter?
3: Well, they matter because most of us have had our boundaries invaded one time or another over the years, and we don't like it. It's not good for us, and it doesn't feel good, and Boundaries are another developmental issue. As the true self strengthens, the boundaries are naturally there and we grow so that we can feel them more and we don't have to work so hard to be on guard all the time to protect ourselves because our boundaries are in place and they can deflect a lot of things pretty easily. So mm-hmm. it sounds strange if if you don't know your own boundaries and cannot feel them yet they just haven't developed to that point. But that's what integrity is all about, is we know our own true self, and we let go of what does not fit, and boundaries are the place in between there.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So it's like we're, where
1: we end and somebody else begins, or how is that? A, how yes. would you say that?
3: that be, mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely, just like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm
1: and when when we're coming from that place when we have that that sense of boundary then we I think we've got a lot of room to play and enjoy life
3: you bet <laughs> you bet mm-hmm. and you're I'm really go, go ahead. ahead
1: no you're really good at that i know just just in reading you know your book and reading your uh bio, you do, you have fun, you make music, you take hikes, um, you write poetry. So you you discovered that you have that way of, of enjoying your life. It sounds like.
3: Well, I didn't always, I grew mm-hmm. into that. Um, my poems, I talk about this in the book. At first they were just little ditties and I stuck them in the drawer and I didn't share them with anybody because they weren't real poetry and all of that. And <laughs> You know, I gradually shared them a little bit more, and I discovered people liked hearing them. Oh, my gosh. It was so radical to me. And they ended up in my book, or some of them did, anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's just a, one example of what happens as, as our true self gets stronger. It gets more expressive. I call it uncorking our voice. So it won't be poetry for everybody. Well, you poetry for some people. It might be painting for somebody else. It might be basket weaving for somebody else, or making birdhouses, or whatever. But what is true for us becomes more real, becomes stronger, becomes more fun. It makes life more fun. I like to say, true self matters. Yeah, matters a lot. That's good.
1: Well, Sandra, as we come to the close of our um, program today, would you share with us your poem about Dancing in Daffodils because that really is about the self-expression and speaks to what you were just sharing with us.
3: I'd love to. Dancing in Daffodils is my image, my personal image of being fully alive. So this is the poem that came to me one day. Coming fully alive as the sun peeks over the edge and spring creeps around the corner, the daffodils poke through the crust. They can do no other, for it is their personal mission to brighten the earth as the cold gray melts away once again. It's what they do because it's who they are. Then when the time is just right, those dainty sun-yellow teacups burst forth their healing glow. And the daffodil spirits begin to wiggle and giggle and smile. And I dance, dance in the daffodils, with my long flowing arms to the music I hear. It's what I do, because it's who I am, and I can do no other.
0: Hmm.
1: Thank you. That's beautiful. Thank you. Sandra, I want to thank you for being my guest today, and uh, thank you for the work that you do and the book "Beyond the Good Girl Jail: When You Dare to Live from Your True Self." And uh, your go to people can go to your website, trueselfmatters.com. dot And um, thank you very much for all that you've shared with us. Um, I feel strengthened from what you've shared,
3: and uh, oh, feel good. deepened. Yeah. Well, thank you, Anna. It's been a real privilege.
1: Glad you're here. And thank you, listeners. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And have a wonderful week. And we'll be back next week on Spirit of Recovery.
2: Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org.
4: Once two monks who slept late and missed their morning prayers the very strict abbot ordered the monks to do penance for their lack of discipline they had to walk all day with peas in their shoes one monk moaned with every step he took the other just smiled with a secret satisfaction finally the one monk in agony asked brother how is it that you can stand a walk on these dry hard peas the happy monk replied i boiled my peas We all have difficulties that seem to cause us great pain as we walk through life. But there is a way to deal with life's challenges. Changing your thoughts and actions can change the world around you. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org.